You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Caleb asked me to read the scripture he's going to be preaching from, so I'm going to do that, and then Caleb will take it away. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading 1 through 9 from the NIV. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Hey, Life Tree family. Uh, good to be with you this morning. Excited to share what's in my heart. Um, what Telsey just read to us, as you know, is this word to God, from God to Joshua, right before they're going to go in and possess the promised land. And this is just continuation of what we've been speaking about the last few weeks. Uh, not sure if you've been with us the last couple weeks, but we've been looking at the book of Deuteronomy and how God was actually using the wilderness season to teach his people what they needed for going into the promised land. Uh, the first message I shared a couple weeks ago I actually called it wilderness on purpose. And what I would want to say to you this morning is that God does have purpose for us in a wilderness season, but the wilderness season is not our purpose. Uh, That's not our destiny. Our our purpose that God has for us is not to just be wanderers in the wilderness and to stay in some, you know, dry and weary land forever, but there is something for us to learn in it for sure about humility and dependence and like we talked about last week, to, to cling to him and walk closely with him. So that when he gives a command, we hear and we obey. We hear and we follow. And we're to be a people with this heart that clings to the Lord and leans in to hear from him. But that's so that he can lead us into the promised land. So what Telsey just read to us, God speaking to Joshua, okay, it's time. 
You're going to go in now. And what's the repeated encouragement? Be strong and courageous. Uh, but as we, we look at this idea today, I just want to talk a bit about, you know, when we, when we talk today about the promised land, let's define it. Because sometimes I think that we can think of the promised land just as simply this place of abundance and, and that's it and having everything I ever wanted. But I want to define the promised land this morning in these terms. Uh, more rightly, I should say, I want to define possessing the promised land in these terms. One, an enemy to defeat, a territory to occupy and steward, and a role to fulfill. What do I mean by that? I mean that there was an enemy that they had to defeat. Sometimes when we read these Old Testament stories and we hear about this stuff, it's actually some of what, for people today, turns them off from this narrative, like God told them to go in and, and defeat these people. What is this? What kind of God is that? And it's important for us to realize that uh, repeatedly in the narrative, there is an indication from God that there was great wickedness and atrocity going on in those lands and he was sending in the people of Israel to help deal with that. It was a people that were doing things as atrocious as sacrificing their children, like literally sacrificing their children to idols. And we won't go into the gruesome details of some of the practices, but there was darkness in that land that the people of Israel were being used by God to push out, to dispel. And I would say to us today in this world, as God's people, there is still darkness in this world to be defeated. There are still works of the devil to be destroyed in this land, right here in our city. And there's a call on us as God's people to be a part of that pushing back darkness. And a lot of what I'm speaking from in these weeks is out of a burden that we're in this season of transition as a church, as the church, that this year we've been in is about transitioning more into the active missional role I believe that God has for us. And each one of you has a call and a role to play in God's purpose to push back darkness in this city, to destroy works of the devil in this city, in the world. That's your call. That's your purpose. That's what possessing the promised land is about. And there's a specific area to be occupied. One of the things you'll look when you hear the story of Israel is that as they went into the promised land, each tribe had a specific region that was given to them to occupy. And I think the same is for us today. There are territories that we are called to occupy. For some of you, it's going to be in the area of business. Maybe you're a business owner, an entrepreneur. There's lots of you in this community that come to my mind when I say that. Or maybe you're a part of a team of employees at a certain business um, where you're having impact. Maybe you're a mom. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a student. Or maybe you're just a neighbor in an area. We all fit that category no matter where you are. But there is uh, areas that God has called for us to occupy and steward. There's industries that we're called to occupy and steward. And we have a role to fulfill in those places. And the role that we're called to fulfill, that like, let's look back to the people of Israel. What God called them to fulfill was to be a display in the world of a nation walking in relationship with God. 
Their call was to actually be an example to the nations of what walking with God would look like for a people. And there was great abundance and blessing and peace and prosperity and all this sort of stuff that flowed from it, but a a wisdom that rested on them. They were called to display the beauty and the wisdom of God to the earth. In other words, their call wasn't to go and dominate the world. You'll notice in the story of Israel, it wasn't a call to go and then defeat more nations. The narrative of Israel wasn't world domination. It wasn't now go defeat these guys, now go defeat those guys. There was an area that they were called to occupy, and then in that occupation of that area, they were displaying the goodness of God. And I think this is a needed message for us to hear today because I feel like we live in a world where there is such a struggle for power. There's such a, a, a thing going on in our world where everybody wants to be the loudest voice and to dominate their opinion and dominate their power over one another. And the way of the kingdom is not actually exerting power over people. It's using power to come under and serve people. It's using the power we've been given to display the goodness and the love and the beauty and the wisdom of God. You know that at Israel's uh, peak as a nation, nations came to them. We'll read about that when you, when you hear the life of Solomon, right? Solomon is this king over Israel years after what we read, and the pinnacle of Israel's history is under Solomon's reign. And under Solomon's reign, the queen of Sheba from another nation came and she was like, wow, the wisdom in this nation, the creativity. Look at the joy of your servants and your people. My point is, is that the God's people are called to display the wisdom and the goodness of God in the earth. Ephesians 3.10, it's a a verse that maybe we all are familiar with, maybe you're not, but it says this. I, I love it. It says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And I'll just say that the church's darkest hour is when we are dominating others. You can, you can see it throughout church history. And the church's brightest hour is when we're serving others, displaying the goodness and the wisdom and the beauty of God. My point is that I just want to make is that for us, when we think about going in and possessing the promised land, I want us seeing like enemies in this world to be defeated, but they're not people. It's the darkness in the world. It's the works of the devil we can see in our city. And we're called to occupy and steward certain territories. And for each one, it's going to be different. It's really easy to look over to the right or to the left and see what someone else is doing and think maybe that's what you're supposed to be doing. But God has a specific call, a specific dream that he's planted in your heart. And his intent is to display himself and his goodness through you. But my main burden in in setting that stage, my main burden for today that I want to talk about is what kept them back from entering the promised land. If you're familiar with the story, you'll remember that Israel wandered an extra 40 years in the wilderness that they didn't need to. They had 40 years prior to this moment that Telsey just read to us been called to enter the promised land. 
They had before them a journey through the wilderness that could have been a matter of days, but instead turned into 40 years. And what was it that kept them from entering? What were the enemies that hindered them from going into the promised land when originally called to do so? It wasn't the Canaanites. It wasn't actually the people in the land that stopped them. The primary enemies that got in their way from entering the promised land were fear and discouragement. Fear and discouragement were the primary enemies. Fear and discouragement are still the primary enemies, enemies that we have to overcome in this life. To step into the land that God has for us to possess. To step into the destiny that God has for you. It's fear and discouragement. Those are the things that get in the way more than anything else. You hear the repeated command in what Telsey read and all throughout Scripture. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. God is with you. That's the overall message of what was read to us. And that's the overall message again and again throughout Scripture. We need these commands spoken to us because we are so prone to fear and discouragement. If we were a room full of people right now, I'd say, can I get an amen? <laughs> it's like, we know it, right? Like, if you're honest with yourself, you know how prone to fear and discouragement you are. I know how prone to it I am. And the reason it's repeated over and over again is because we need to hear it. We find ourselves in following the Spirit of God in situations that it makes sense, maybe, that you'd feel afraid if you were just looking at that situation um, through the lens of being alone. But we're not alone. We're with him. And we all, we all battle these things, right? I don't have what it takes. You know, what are some of the fears that stir up in you? What's some of the discouragement that maybe you're prone to having? For each of us, there's going to be maybe differences and nuances, and in other ways, it's all similar. It's all some form of fear and discouragement. And I think it's true to say that we are in a generation and in a time when so many are plagued with it, plagued with fear and discouragement. We have names for it, and it's real. It's a real struggle that people go through. But it's, it's powerful, the grip it has on us. There's actually studies that show that having chronic fear in your life can lead to heart attack. It can lead to memory loss. It can lead to all sorts of physical ailments. Having fear constantly present. And there's this thing that goes on for us where we, we worry so much about what's tomorrow, what's going to come, and we think about the future, and we worry, and we worry, and we worry. And at times, we don't even know what it is we're worrying about. It's just this present thing inside of us. And I'm telling you, that is something that, that's a spiritual thing that the enemy puts in front of you to try to restrain you from stepping into the call that God has on your life. And it will paralyze us. And I, I, I know this firsthand. I'm not just like sitting here talking about having overcome it all the time. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing that we have to walk in. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. The troubles of today are enough. Right? And when the writer of Hebrews actually refers back to this time in Israel's history, this in Hebrews 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews emphasizes again and again, today, don't harden your heart. 
Hear what God is saying and believe it. Put faith in him. He actually makes this statement in Hebrews 4, um, assuming it's a he. We don't know the author of Hebrews. So whoever wrote Hebrews said in Hebrews 4 that um, the Israelites had the word spoken to them that they needed to hear, but it wasn't mixed with faith. Because it wasn't mixed with faith, they were unable to enter. They were unable to step into what they had been called to step into that day. And I think it's important to realize that sometimes this fear that gets hold of us is us worrying about things that are not present. In some sense, it's like they're not present in the here and now, but maybe even sometimes we worry about things that aren't even real. Things that aren't even present are are captivating our hearts and imprisoning us in fear. And it's, it's these lies that you're not enough. God won't provide. You're going to fail. People are going to think you look stupid. You're going to look like a fool. Right? All those sort of things that go around in our head over and over and over again. And they hold us back. But the truth of the matter is that God has provided for you to walk in what he's called you to walk in today. You have what you need for now. And you'll have what you need for later when you need it. But what you need right now more than anything is the revelation that God's with you. What we need more than anything at any given moment of our life is that the God of the universe who created it all, whose word spoke it into existence, who holds it together right now and by whose power we breathe in this very moment is with us. That's what we need to know at any moment of any day. You know that one of the most repeated commands in Scripture, there's, there's two I want to highlight. So some of the most repeated commands in Scripture. Fear not, or you want to say do not be afraid, and behold. These, these, these commands are repeated over and over and over again. And what I would like to um, submit to you is the idea that the problem that we face in fear getting a hold of us and holding us back is a problem of perception. It's a problem of seeing things clearly. But the Bible tells us over and over again, do not be afraid. Because we live in a world and in a life and walk a path where, where fear is present. It's a reality. But we don't have to be imprisoned by it. Because this call to behold is a call to see God, to see who he really is. You see, when the people of Israel were originally called to go into the wilderness, what was it that they said? They said, our enemy is too big, and we're too small. That was it. And they'd lost sight of the fact that God, who parted the Red Sea, who had given them manna, who had done all these amazing things already in Egypt, was with them. They lost sight of him. And their, their, their eyes, <coughs> excuse me, were fixed on the problem in front of them and the size of it. Their eyes were fixed on themselves. And the solution that they needed to that problem and the solution that we need to our problem that's sim- similar is not to minimize our enemies and it's not increase self-esteem. 
That's sometimes what gets pitched to us in this world. And increased self-esteem is good. And not seeing our problems as too big is good. But it's not this thing where, where we face the things in front of us that are challenging and we just go, la, 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 and we try to ignore them and minimize them. And it's not where we just bolster up, oh, I'm amazing, and I'm the, I'm the greatest thing that ever walked the face of the earth, and get, get you know, ourself all puffed up. That's not the solution. The solution is see God. See his power. See his wisdom. See his goodness, like we sang about this morning. See his faithfulness. See his trustworthiness. See his love for you. You go on and on and gone. That's why we are told, behold, because as we behold, you see more and more and more and more. There's so many words we could use to describe him. There's so many songs that have been written to describe him. There's page upon page of scripture and other books that have been written to describe him. As we behold, a revelation of who he is and what he's like grows and stirs faith. Remember that Joshua was told, keep these scriptures always on your mouth and meditate in them day and night. Because in them, guys, is the revelation of who God is. That's why we're inviting you today to come and just sit. We're going to read the book of Romans from 3.30 to 5. If you haven't registered, you can find the Eventbrite link on uh, Facebook. But sitting in scripture builds our revelation of God, increases our faith, helps us see the world clearly. Like I said, I don't think the solution is minimize our problems. And actually, I read something this week that really um, resonated with a process that God's taken me through. And it was from Tim Ferriss. Maybe you know who he is. And he's a well-known podcaster, and he re- writes leadership books and all this sort of stuff. And Tim Ferriss was talking about, yes, there's power in goal setting, but he's got this other practice that he does that he calls fear setting. And what he was talking about was this idea of not ignoring the fears, actually identify them, face them. And I realize as I think about that, that in my own journey, whenever God has led me into new territory and I've had to make hard decisions and there's been change in the air in my life and there's transition happening, there's always been this battle of fear and discouragement that I have to work through. That fight is always a part of that process. And what I have found really actually helpful in my life is when I start to just realize the presence of that fear. And we identify the fear. And we name it. And we face it. And I actually take that fear and I bring it into the presence of God and I talk to him about it. I don't ignore it or act like it's not there. I actually get really specific about what it is I'm afraid of. I had to do this this week. This week I was on this roller coaster of discouragement. Like I remember I was driving my kids to school on Tuesday and I was like, God's giving you everything you need for today and all this sort of stuff I was already saying this morning. And then by like 2 p.m. I was like super discouraged. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I go through this on one day? And, and what I found is, is I start to go, okay, what is that thing? What's going on? Why am I feeling this way? And as I reflect on it, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm super afraid. I'm afraid of failure. Like, like I could name all these different things that were fears in me, but in the most simple terms, it was fear of failure that was getting hold of me. And there's something about when we do this practice, you name the fear, and then, like I said, you bring it into the presence of God. You talk about it with him. And as you look at him, I tell you what, 
that fear starts to look really small. He starts to look really big. It's like you take light and the light of God's presence and his word and you shine it on that fear to see it for what it really is. Because when you let it just kind of live in the shadows of your heart and of your mind, it remains with way more power. But when you really take the light of God's word and who he is and his presence and shine it on that thing, you begin to see it for the tiny little thing that it is in comparison to him. And I'm not saying that you don't actually assess the risks or any of that sort of stuff. But look at it and look at it in the light of him. I find myself just thinking about, um, I don't know, God started speaking to me through the picture of even something just yesterday. I went mountain biking with a group of guys that were way better mountain bikers than me yesterday. Uh, Jer, Jarrett, Dwayne, Mark, uh, Jim. And who else was with us? I'm giving shout-outs here. I don't want to forget anybody. Yes, you're with us. And, uh, and these guys, and I went up and I rode trails that I'd never ridden before. And, and one of the things I've learned in mountain biking, in my short mountain biking career, is, is that when you're coming up to features that are challenging or technical or steep or whatever, there is like a moment where you're on the brakes and you sort of maybe are assessing it. But there's definitely a moment where you got to let go of the brakes. Like there's actually times where letting go of the brakes is the safest thing that I can do. And you have to just let go of the brakes and go straight into that thing. You, you, you pick your line and then you just go. And, uh, and it's been this thing that God started speaking me through it. It's like that's what it's like in our process of going into what he has for us, possessing our promised land, if you will. Yes, you see the fear or the things that maybe you, you're afraid of. Don't ignore them. Bring them into the presence of God like we're talking about. And then you let go of the brakes and you go. And you go with him. Because he's got you. And when I say all this, guys, this isn't just like out there, nice ideas. Like I really believe that each of you and each of us in this church family have a call of areas to dispel darkness in the city. There are works of the devil that you are called to destroy. There's ministries that you are called to walk in and call others to with you. There's leaders throughout this church who are called to, to lead the charge into the battle that needs to happen in the city, the battle for God's goodness to touch lives, to transform lives and benefit this city like we like to say around here. But the best part about it is that, you know, all Joshua had when he went in and all the people of Israel had when they went into the promised land were a leader named Joshua and the book of the law. We've got something far better. We have a better leader. His name's Jesus. We have a better word that God has spoken to us than the law itself, and his name's Jesus, the word made flesh. And there is this process through which meditating in the word and sitting in the presence of God and hearing the voice of the Spirit, that the revelation of who Jesus is and what the gospel proclaims to us grows, and fear and discouragement get overcome. But it's a daily process. I can't encourage you enough to spend time meditating in the gospel. Meditate in the truth of who Jesus is. Because there is a call on your life to defeat darkness, to destroy works of the devil, 
to make God look good as he displays his wisdom and his love and his goodness through your life to people who desperately need to see it. So that's it. That's my burden for us as a church, that we would be a people who aren't imprisoned by the fear of failure. But we are enamored with the person of Jesus. We're filled with faith that God is with us, that we would have the voice and the narrative like that of Joshua and Caleb who were in the promised land at the, at the threshold of it, saying, we can do it, we can do it, God's with us. I really think that matters, guys, that it's like you can see the way it worked with them. In back, if you go back in the story, the discouragement of the other spies. It was, it was infectious to the, to the crowds, to the masses. But may there be an infectious faith on us as Life Tree Church. To think different, to take new territory to step in to what God has for us. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to close. Lord, we bring our hearts before you this morning. And we admit we battle fear and discouragement. We're not strangers to those things. But Lord, we also admit that you're with us and you're more than enough. Father, I ask that the revelation of Jesus would just continue to be worked into this community like yeast is worked into dough. And it would affect how we function as a community. The revelation of Jesus would fill those listening to my voice with faith. Strengthen us. Make us courageous. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.